Good morning, my name's David Vaughn, John Tizovich here. It's so great to have you tune in on TV and online today. At Whitewater, we're all about bringing hope to people all over the tri-state area. In order to do that faster, I announced to our church family a while back, and this was before COVID-19, that we were gonna launch some additional campuses and sites to help even more people find help and hope. We were thinking initially our next campus would be a physical or geographical location in Ohio or Indiana, but because of the coronavirus issue, we decided to launch our second campus as a digital one. And you may not realize it, but we have been a multi-site church already for the last six weeks. I'm excited about that. Yep. And we will continue to pour resources into this new online campus during this new reality. Now, down the road at a prudent time, we're going to announce our third campus, which will undoubtedly be a brick-and-mortar one. But we are filming here today from Crimer's Beer House. You may recognize it. Some of you may recognize the drinks because you've been down here before at this bar. The proprietor's name is Mark Crimer. He's a member at Whitewater, just a great leader and a great friend. Uh, for a while, when our church uh, was out of room, we needed some space for small groups and Bible studies to occur. Mark offered a room in the basement of the beer house. We called that class, John, the BYOB class, Bring Your Own Bible <laughs> class. That's pretty good. Nice. Well, we've been doing a series called Upside Down with a tip of the cap to Stranger Things. Yep. Could I just say this to you? I'm a new watcher to Stranger Things. It is creepy. <laughs> but this morning, we want to talk about upside down or right side up leadership. And I think everyone would agree, whether you're watching this and you have nothing to do with church, or whether you've been in the church for a while, everybody would agree that leadership, especially now, is critical. Everybody likes to be well led, whether you're in or out of the church. The problem with being a leader, especially now, is you don't know if people are following you or chasing you. Am I right? <laughs> there might be a little bit of both. Just ask Governor DeWine or President Trump about that. You know, I've studied hundreds of leaders. I've read hundreds of leadership books and biographies about leaders over my career. And I've come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was the ultimate leader. He's like the best leader ever. Leadership author Jim Collins would call him a level five leader. In fact, he really couldn't be categorized as level five. Right. He's like level 55. First Corinthians 3, the book that we've been studying here, says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Even Paul knew that. Well, what does upside down or worldly leadership look like versus Christ-centered, right-side-up leadership? What is the difference and what does that look like? This is important because everybody watching this is a leader somewhere. If we define leadership, and I do, as influence, everyone watching this has a place or a space where they lead. You might be a leader at home or if your business is still open like Crimer's or your business soon will be open, you have influence. So listen, if you're watching, don't check out today because you think you're not a leader. Oh, you are. In fact, leading in your house, your family right now may very well be your biggest leadership assignment and challenge that you've ever had. Can I ask yep. you a personal yep. question? Is your spouse or your kids getting on your nerves right now? D don't answer that, John Tizovich. Don't answer that from your couch. I bet there's some irritation going on in your family company. <laughs> Liking those you love and you live with is vital. So today's lessons, today's applications 
apply to you. John and I are going to tag team today to give you some helpful wisdom on this leadership subject because there's a sharp contrast between what the world says a good leader is and what a Jesus-shaped leader is and does. Oh, and I wish we had time. We could go on and yep. on. We just got time to give you two. Only two. Two qualities of that kind of leader. They are the ones, coincidentally, that Paul gives in our letter to this church in Corinth. First quality, a good leader, he or she promotes unity. Here's how Paul described it. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 10 of the very first chapter. I appeal to you that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions. I'm going to come back to that. No divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, Paul says, have informed me. Doing a little squealing. They're, they're, they're doing a little tattletaling on the church there. They have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. But is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? What a great series of questions. Paul knew that there is great power in a unified community, a unified company, especially a unified family. There's great power, trust me, in a unified church. But there is no power in a divided one. Yep. See, the Corinthian church was close to a church split. Have you ever heard of that? Chapter 1 says that they had quarrels among them. There is drama in every team. Some of y'all know that. There's drama in every company, every club. But did you also know that there is drama sometimes in the local church? No way. Yeah, believe it or not. Those inside the church, we already know this. But those of you who are not connected to a church, you may be surprised. But some of you watching that are not connected to a church, you're not surprised. Uh, one of the reasons some of you walked away yeah. from your church of origin or you walked away from any church was because you couldn't connect there because people were always fussing and fighting. Because Christians there didn't act like Christ. Right. You saw stuff. Right. You got hurt by stuff. Right. Organized religion was very disorganized yep. for you. And realistically, since churches are filled with humans, that means churches can fight and occasionally quarrel. And then sometimes people just find a new church. Yep. I heard this story about this guy who was marooned on this desert island all by himself. He'd been on there for years. He didn't think he'd ever get off there. One day on the horizon, he saw a ship with a little dinghy coming in with some people to rescue him. P pay attention, John. Okay. This little dinghy came in and the guy said, hey, we're here to rescue you. And he said, go ahead and get all the people on the island here and we'll take you home. That guy said, well, there is no other people. There are no other people on the island. It's just me. And the guy that was, came in to rescue said, what do you mean it's just you? He said, I see different huts here on the horizon. He said, yeah, there's three huts here on this island. That first hut, that's where I live. He said, that second hut, that's where I go to church. The guy said, well, what's that third hut? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> Some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You used to go here, now you're here. Some of you found wonderful whitewater from another church. And there's good reasons to find a new church, but often the reason people look for a new church is because their current church was fussing yeah. and fighting. This church here at Corinth was just like that. They had little cliques, little huts. They had those in the Paul hut, the uh, Paulus hut. 
the Peter Party or the Peter Hut. And soon those parties developed into fractured schisms where lines were drawn and trash was talked. They were divided about who the best teacher was. They even fought and quarreled about who baptized them. You know, I understand this. Church pastors and leaders, they come in all shapes and sizes. Look at this. It's hard not to compare and evaluate. I heard of an old song years ago called Excuses. It was a list of excuses people give for not being involved with the church. One of those verses applies to this subject. The verse said, well, the preacher, he's too young. Maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, or maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet-like. Sometimes he gets too loud. He's talking about you, Tizavich. He needs to be more humble or else he's way too proud. The sermons, they're too long. Maybe they're too short. He ought to preach with dignity instead of stomp and snort. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you new folks watching this may not know this. We're smiling and we're enjoying this because a few months ago, after a very lengthy national search, the elders and I brought this guy John on board as a teaching pastor, a senior associate, and if all goes according to our plan, over the next few years, he will likely be my successor. We are similar in so many ways, but let me tell you, we're different. I don't know if you've noticed this. I bet you have. But my partner and brother here has a different style of teaching God's Word than me. And let me tell this to you, I like that. A golfing buddy texted me after John recently taught and said, Hey, I know what that guy is. He's David Vaughn on Red Bull. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know, but I know this. I trust this guy. And with time, you will get to know the heart behind his passion and his voice. I believe in him. And I know our elders do too. So don't allow anything to divide you. Don't let your loyalty be to a person unless that person is Jesus Christ. Paul here pleads with the church to agree with one another, to stay united because when the church people quarrel and they fight, we present this distorted, upside-down picture of Christ to the community. Paul said this another way in 1 Corinthians 3. He continued this thing, this idea, this discussion of people having personalities they were loyal to. It says this in verse number 3. For when one person says in the Corinthian church, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Who, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So let me ask you a question. Where are you uniting, or on the contrary, where are you dividing people that you influence right now in your own leadership area? If I were to take a peek at your social media activity, would it be promoting unity or division? Somebody else say, Preacher, I don't ever want you to see. Well, God sees everything you're posting. I mean, what is your reputation with those outside the church following you? Are you contributing or just criticizing? Yeah. I know some of you think the president, the governor are doing an awesome job. Some of you think the exact opposite. They aren't. I, I get that. But ask yourself, before you post or say anything, what's the most helpful, unifying thing that I could say or post? There is nothing wrong, 
friend, with being loyal to your leader in the church or out. But make sure if you're a Christ follower, your loyalty is ultimately to Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus, not David, not John. We follow Christ, not a human personality. So let's unite around that right now. There is also a second quality desperately needed for leadership and leaders right now. And John is going to start unpacking that for us right now. Yeah, so the second quality of right side what up. What was the first one? Well, the so first one was unity. Yeah. Uh huh. Good. You told me to pay attention. You can keep your job. Thanks so much. My wife will love you for that. The second quality in a, being a right side up leader is that she or he should promote humility. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 3.18 if you got your Bibles with you. If not, I'm going to share it with you. It says, stop deceiving yourselves. We could park right there all day and talk about that right there. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think that you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. I got that covered. You got that? Uh, yep. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. I read something a while back that stuck with me about leadership. A leader worthy of following has humility, hustle, and heart. Like These that. are the three things that I look for when I'm building a team. Like, are they humble? Do they, do they look to strive to build themselves up or others? Do they hustle? Not, not just a hard worker, but working hard to acknowledge all that they have accomplished is only because of Christ at work in them. And do they have heart? Do they have that never give up spirit that is filled with compassion for the one who does not yet know God? Humility, hustle, I like heart. That. Easy to it's remember. Good stuff. H, 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 H3. Yeah. You can write that down. You can write that down. The Apostle Paul, in one of his other letters in the Bible called Philippians, he wrote this about what a leader looks like. This is Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, you must have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See, a lot of us, we have this idea of what leadership looks like. You know, we're supposed to be powerful and bold, no nonsense, fearless, kicking butt, taking names, you know, John Wayne's of leaders. And, and from the world's perspective, in an upside down world, yeah, I'd say you're right. As a right side up leader, our servant style better be bigger than our ego. Mm -hmm. That's a gut check for some of us, right? Mm. Being a right side up leader is about paying attention and not seeking attention. Because yeah. here's the deal. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is probably beyond you. That's good. See, well, it's good because you gave it to me. I so. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something this leader might say. Jesus gave us the ultimate illustration of what this looks like. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. We read that Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, his next generation of right side up leaders. And he said this about leadership. Verse 25, Jesus called them together and he said, look, you know that the, the rulers of this world, the leaders, they lord it over their people and officials. They flaunt their authority over and under them. But among you, it will be different. You catch that? It will be different among you. Whoever wants to be a leader among you 
must be your servant. Mm. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the one who stepped down from the throne of royalty, he came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. As leaders, we are called to sacrifice for those we are leading. Are you sacrificing for your spouse right now? I know it's hard. Are you sacrificing for your family? Are you sacrificing for your teams right now? For those that you are leading in your spheres of influence? Are you elevating their needs above your own? The question you have to ask yourself, if you want to be a right-side-up leader, is why do you want to lead? What's your motive? To serve or be served. I heard this guy say that a leader without character eventually becomes known as one. Right, that's, Amen. That, that's one of his Vaughnisms, right? So what kind of a character do you want to be known as? What is your why? Again, we're all leaders, all of us. We, we all have a sphere of influence. And this is what I noticed in my life, and I'm not proud of it, but for the longest time, longer than I care to admit, I was so focused on my success, my achievements. How high could I climb on the professional ladder? I had this understanding, a why, that said the higher I climb, the greater my influence and significance. But what happened in reality was that the higher I climbed, and I climbed pretty high in my career, the more miserable I became. I had more money than I knew what to do with, more attention, more success, but at the end of the day, I was miserable, all because my why was focused on me and not others. Here's the deal. When my why changed, my world changed. Mm. Jesus, though, is the one who changed my why. Jesus gave me a different perspective, a different why. It was no longer about how high on the ladder could I climb. It became more about how many other people can I encourage and empower to climb higher than me. It wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't until my why changed that my longing for significance started to actually be fulfilled. I started looking at a legacy that I could be proud of. See, we're all going to leave a legacy. What that legacy looks like all depends on our why. But I don't want to just leave a legacy. But in the time that I still have left on this earth, I want to live out a legacy that I'm going to leave behind. I want to lead more like Jesus and less like me. I saw this posted the other day, and, and this has become my COVID-19 resolution as I take this with me forward into our new reality. It was, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to hang out with sinners. I want to upset religious people. You know I already you love do that. that. Yep. Tell stories that make people think. Choose unpopular friends. Love the unlovable. Be kind, loving, and merciful. And my favorite one, take naps on boats. We need more of that. We need more of that. If you're a boat owner, please uh, send us a message. We'd love to be your friend. I love this list. This is an excellent list that should be on all of our radars as we try to live and love and lead as right side up leaders. Now, let me just pause like for a moment and just share with you something that candidly just came up between David and I as we were preparing this message. Look, we know that things are hard right now. Yeah. Like really. Like, and for some of you, these last 40 days have been harder for some than others, but we know that things are hard. The world has changed. 
We're not going back. There is no going back. There's a way forward. And some of you may be hearing this message and telling yourself that you've disqualified yourself as a leader. Listen, you haven't. You haven't, period. That's a lie straight from hell. You have not disqualified yourself as a leader. Last week, we introduced a new song called My Testimony, right? My favorite line in that song is, if I'm not dead, Mm. then he's not done. Mm. Listen, God's not done with you. He's not done using you as a leader, regardless of that decision you made last Saturday night that you've been kicking yourself for. He's not done with you. Regardless of how you might be failing at the office, regardless of where your office may be, he's not done with you. Regardless of how you might be failing as a substitute teacher, a job that you didn't sign up for, God's not done with you. There's still more that he wants to do in you and through you. I want us to wrap up with just an honest plea from us, just to you, everyone watching to lean in, to be more like Jesus, to to be a a leader that that has Jesus at the foundation of your choices and decisions in this upside-down world right now. Humbly work to unify your sphere of influence. The two questions I want you to ask yourself when you look in the mirror, when you do look in the mirror again, because I know lots of people, they, they're not looking in the mirror because their hair, I mean, not our hair. We got a great barber, right? We're self-sufficient. No problem. But some of y'all aren't looking in the mirror right now because it's been weeks since you've been to the barber. Some of you were starting to see what color your real hair color is. <laughs> but I'm challenging you to look in the mirror and ask these two questions. Where am I supposed to grow in my leadership right now? And the second question is, Where am I supposed to go with my leadership? Listen, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Self-leadership must, though, be patterned after Christ-centered leadership. Ask the Spirit to reveal some things about you. Search me, O God. Where do I need to grow and improve? And then ask yourself, where should I use my leadership? Leverage out my gifts. Send me. Here I am, God. What leadership sphere do you need to step into right now in this season? And let me just say this to some of you as we close today. Some of the purest, I believe, some of the hardest kind of leadership is when you lead in a church or a volunteer intensive environment. So perhaps some of you who are young or at the other end of the age spectrum with your professional life, you might actually feel the calling of God to enter vocational church leadership. Some of you feel led to move from making money to making disciples. Let me prepare you. It's not as easy as it looks. It's not for the faint of heart. But we have a great staff team. I love them. But with all of the opportunities and challenges we have, we need more soldiers in God's army. But regardless, we want to thank the leaders we already have nationally and in our church. And we can't wait to see the difference Jesus-shaped or right-side-up leaders will have in our church and our city in days to come. Listen, imagine what our culture, our streets, your street, our world, your home would look like if every leader just did the two things John and I talked about today. They were united, they were humble. Imagine the difference that would make. I know this, the early followers of Jesus Christ, they turned the world upside down. Even though they were common blue collar workers, some of them level one leader, What was their secret? It's simple. Jesus. 
When people saw that they were ordinary men and women leading in extraordinary ways, it says there they noted that they had been with Jesus. Is that what someone could say about you right now? I note that they have been with Jesus. It's all about relationship with Him. God, I pray right now as we close out this segment that, God, you would give people incredible unity, incredible humility as we move out together now to spread help and hope to people. Thank you for Jesus, the greatest leader ever. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.